Hi, I'm Andy Psarianos. Hi, I'm Robin Potter. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the next episode of Feedspot's number two podcast Woo! for teachers. From the school way. of school. <laughs> was that was that the recordings when I was away, Andy? Yeah. Have you Robin been secretly <laughs> yeah, going in the some stuff or something? For some reason, so, so, so exactly. yeah. But uh, yeah, so what an achievement, huh? You know. Uh, Yay! And we're here to talk with the regular pundits. Here we've got Adam and Robin. Hey, hey. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I think one of the things, you know, we, we often talk about accountability and education, but when we talk about accountability and education, it's always usually focused on schools and on teachers. Well, what about the policymakers? Who's holding them accountable? I mean, one could argue that the voters are. I'm not sure that's like, I think that's a bit of a crock if you ask me. Why shouldn't we be holding policymakers accountable like we do teachers in schools? Uh, listen, I think it's a fantastic point. And I think that in terms of the voters being able to hold people accountable, that's just that's chance. Because if you have, you know, a, a successive government, same same party in, in, in government for a long time, then maybe the outcomes of the policy decisions, decisions that they make, you know, we, we, we get a chance to say, no, we've had enough. So there's a general election coming up in the UK this year. Um, the, the the Conservative Party's been in power for 13 years. So maybe this is the type of, you know, the, the length of term that you can say, OK, well, let's look at some of these policies. But it's chance, right? It's chance. So if someone, if another government just had one parliament, then, you know, the voting doesn't, we, we, we may not, uh, be able to vote on policy in the same way. But I think it's a really, really important point you raise because these are really serious decisions that are being made and they impact massively on children. So is there a sort of professional liability at the point of making a policy decision that's going to affect millions of, of children, you know, for, for the rest of their lives? And what does happen if it doesn't work? Like, can't think of anything more high stakes. No, I can't. I can't. In two ways. One, because of the outcome for the children. Secondly, because the amount of taxpayers' money that goes into ensuring that, that the success at the end is, 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 a, is a community, a population, uh, that's a you know, happy, productive, all, all of those sort of measurements that we, we might use to, to measure a society, see if it's successful. Um, but I don't. I don't know that there's any. There's any accountability, is there? Is there? Not really, because we can be upset about it. As we as taxpayers, you know, we could sit, recognize that a policy isn't working. But then, how do we, besides not voting for that particular party at the next election, possibly because of that policy, how else are we supposed to? I don't know. Demonstrate our unhappiness with with what they've done like what do we what do we do about it it's a the system needs to change right in order for that to happen i think is what what i would conclude if i if you really sit and think about it so when you look at systems where those who are ineffective get pushed aside you know i don't know the capitalist system is probably the most 
you know, the easy one to understand. It's like if you're the CEO of a company and a company's failing, right? It's a public company. The shareholders aren't going to tolerate it, right? So you're going to get pushed aside and put somebody in who can actually do the job. And if they can't do that, if they can't find someone to run the company effectively, the company will fail. And the, the system takes care of it, right? It's like, you know, good companies evolve and they last a long time. Bad companies die because the shareholders kind of keep it accountable, right? The investors keep it accountable. Um, I don't think you can run a political system that way. But, you know, maybe there needs to be some kind of change. So what ends up happening is everybody tries to blame the last mile. They try to blame the teachers. They try to blame the schools for everything that's going wrong. Uh, when actually, almost always, the problem has to do with the problem is more systemic in nature, right? Like, I think if you can set proper goals and, and get people motivated and, you know, invest the money wisely and all these things, they're all policy decisions, the system will work, right? We know that because it works in other places in the world. Yeah, I don't know that. But how could we keep them accountable? We're living in a democracy and, and that's unlikely to change. So, so if we can accept that there are going to be people that are going to be the voice of the people voted in, then I think that as part of that, I wonder how decisions would change if as part of that you sign up to, there's a liability part of it, the effectiveness of the policy that you put in, you predict that when you're likely to see outcomes for it, so we'll use education as an example, that the, the systemic policies that, that you put in for education, you can't predict that, that something's going to happen in a year. You might be able to, and, and you'd be held accountable for that. But if we assume that these changes are going to take you know, a long time, 10, 20 years, if there was some sort of accountability where you literally had to come back, there, some, there was something. There was something that you could be held accountable as to whether or not that worked. Uh, then, then you know, maybe the decision-making process would be a little bit different. It's difficult, though, because other political parties could come in, pull funding, all that sort of stuff, and so the, you know, the goalposts shift, and, and then, then that accountability, it's difficult to decide. But I think that if there were tangible outcomes to what you did, the decision-making would be has the potential to be different. But how, how you implement that, it's a really tricky one. It's a really, really tricky one. Right, because don't we go through our schools, our local schools first? A parent maybe expresses, maybe a group of parents are unhappy with something that's happened at the school. Maybe it gets escalated, and maybe it's escalated to, that, to the district. So now you have leaders at maybe a, a local level being involved. Does that ever, does that get escalated then beyond that? How do you escalate something so that it's, you know, recognized at a, at a higher level and, and dealt with? So fundamental, that's a really important fundamental question that you're asking there. And I think it's any institution, regardless of what type of institution it is, has, has uh, this inherent communication problem, which is that um, communication tends to flow from the top to the bottom, right? So, you know, the policymakers or whoever then um, say and do whatever they think is right. But the information coming from the grassroots back up uh, it is much more of a challenge. It's much harder to get information about what's happening on the ground floor up the system, like without it being filtered. And because, you know, it might go through four people before it gets to the, the policymaker, 
or five people or five institutions even. So it goes like, okay, parent talks to teacher, maybe talks to head teacher. That somehow gets to the district. Well, who in the district or the governing body hears that? They probably hear it from the head teacher, right? So they hear that perspective. Then that moves up and that moves up. And each time it gets filtered a little bit because the head teacher is going to want to, he's going to want to protect his own best interests. So he's going to want to protect his school. He's going to want to protect his teachers. He's going to want to protect the kids in the school, whatever it is. Those are all motivating factors that may, may encourage him to tell the story with a particular flair, right? And each time that goes up. So the person at the top, what they're hearing, is that actually what happened or has that been distilled so much that it becomes a different story. This is an institutional problem always. How did the policymakers actually know what's happening on the ground floor? I don't know. I mean, unless they go and visit schools. But even then, you know, they're not... They're, schools are going to put on... If the politicians are coming to their school, they're going to put on a show, right? Yeah, and I think the other difficulty mm. is, on one hand, I know we've, we've talked about this before, that policy systemic change takes time. So, so that's the first thing. So if, if, if a policy is introduced, on one hand, we're saying, well, we've got to give that time to embed. We've got to give that time to take hold. And so, you know, the real measure is a child that's born into that system, that's going to be the true measure of, as to whether or not that system worked. Not, not, not a child who's had seven years of one system and then three years of another. Is that a fair reflection of it? But then the flip side of that is, is that if we want to talk to politicians about policy and some of which that I think even before they're implemented there are some policies that if you talk amongst pick any group that has got a, a, an interest in schools might say this is crazy why, why why are we doing this why is this going to be policy and so without giving it that chance so I think it's it, it is a difficult one because we want we want to, we want systems to, to, to embed so we can decide their effectiveness. But in the same breath, I think that we want to be pretty immediate with some things that if we're thinking this is just you know, there, there has been policies in, in education that have been ones that you well when when rationale for them and justification is more of a it feels good as opposed to research suggests this is good, then it's quite right and proper for educators, parents, communities to speak up and say. So it's trying to, it's it's sort of, I don't know whether there's that, that sort of middle ground filter that says we need to be thinking really clearly about the policies, of which of which many have worked, by the way. Like there's, there's been things that have worked, you know, really well, but, but other policies that perhaps haven't worked so well. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. but but giving them time, those ones that, you know, history, research tell us need time, um, but it is, it's really, it's really tricky. It's a, it's a really tricky one to juggle. It's the consistency, you know, it's like you know, we've used a personal fitness. Well, I have anyway, personal fitness analogy so many times now, but, but it really holds true. Like we fixate about whether or not you should be running, rowing or cycling. Well, we should all be cycling. Cycling is better than running. Or it's better that rowing is better than both of them or whatever the case may be. And we talk about all that stuff. And the reality is that's not what's going to make a difference. What's going to make a difference is you show up every day and do it. And you do it for a long time, right? And whether you're rowing or you're cycling or, yeah, you know, the, the reality is if you don't show up every day and do it for a long time, it's not going to make any difference. And 
And that's kind of the point, right? You got to show up. You got to do it. You're going to lift weights. You can show up and you're going to do it for a long time. And for a long time, you're not even going to notice any difference. All you're going to notice is that you're sore, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, no, but it's true, right? It just takes a really long time before, before it has a significant effect. It's the same is true here, right? It, it, you gotta, you gotta say, we're gonna do this. You gotta stick with it, and you gotta continuously improve. And eventually, you'll get to where you want to be. You just gotta know where it is you want to be. That's actually the the difficulty. Often, with policymakers, they're just looking for headlines. They're just looking for saying whatever it takes to get them elected, right? And then they don't really follow through. And and you know, even if you know. This is the other problem that often we don't discuss. Even if you know what the right thing is, as a leader, even if you know what you need to do to fix a problem in your institution, called the institution, the education system, even if you know if we did this, things would be better, getting people to do it is really, really hard. Getting people to actually initiate the change and make it happen is really, really a whole other skill. I think Ben Horowitz is the one that said it really eloquently in, in the context of CEOs. He said, there are two types of CEOs. He said, there are the visionaries who know what needs to be done. And there are CEOs who know how to get things done. And very rarely do you have someone that has both qualities. It's very rare. Okay, let's go back to your fitness analogy though. So, so maybe you have a, a personal trainer who works with you to motivate you to keeps you stay, keeps you accountable and keeps you consistent and you're doing this all the time because you're not going to do it unless the personal trainer shows up and gives you the program and encourages you Yeah, puts you the to, weights in your hand it. and says, lift this, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. And that personal trainer got certified because they took these courses, they found out what's current, what, what would be best for their clients. So... You know, now, five years later, it turns out that we shouldn't be eating a certain way or we should be cutting this out of our diets and we actually shouldn't be over cardio intense. And so now the personal trainer has taken another course. They found out the current situation and they've brought this to the client and they're motivating the client. So now looking at that from a policy perspective or, you know, so is it like the government... (laughs) Then you got your local lawmakers, and then it's going filtering down into the schools and but, the but kids. But picking up on that, Robert, and using that analogy, yeah. I just think that there'll be some things like there's been people who have been fit for thousands of years, you know, and there'll be some elements of that that will remain the same, and and we fine tune it. But if you look at a professional sports team training, they're going to be active, so no one gets fit by just sitting on the couch for their whole life. So, so there's some things that are just fundamental. This has always been the case and it will always be the case. That, that, that until we know different, this, this has worked for this long. So the likelihood is, is that it's going to keep working for uh, you know, the same length again. Um, and I think that, that we're I'm thinking about education and amongst all of this, that if you think about, say, medics, you know, like the professional bodies and medics, I don't know because I, I don't work in this, but if there's medical policy being talked about, often you'll have someone from 
I don't know, the BMA, the British Medical Association talking about it, or the Pilots Association or someone. So you've got these professional bodies. The one thing that I often find missing is, the, is a professional body for education when education policies are being talked about. Is there a strong enough voice in the room that when these policies are being talked about? And that, that to me, that, that when I look at these other professions and think, actually, do you know what, would, 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 would government go ahead without consultation with the medical fraternity or do they accept that the medics know. Now, it's not to say you can't have politicians, because you need them. They ha you have to have policymakers as part of the decision, the allocation of money and all that sort of thing. But I think that's the part of it, is whether or not you've got the personal trainer in the room. You know, or, or is it someone that's not there? Well, all too often what happens in various different countries is that there is not a body that represents, there isn't a body that doesn't exist to represent teachers or the education system in the way that it does, let's say, with the British Medical Association um, or, or the College of Surgeons here or whatever in Canada, whatever it is, where you've got this body that tries to protect the best interest of, you know, surgeons or doctors or, or whatever, uh, medical people in general, versus, you know, um, let's say more... Um, so the bodies that do represent teachers tend to be more kind of... Um, well, they tend to be more political. The, the unions are union political. Like. It, it is political. So, yeah. They're unions. So they're not there to protect... They're not there to protect the interests of education. They're there to protect the interests of teachers or head teachers or whatever, right? So it's a different vibe. They do get a bit of a voice... Um, but it's the same, like, you know, really there should be a governing body that's, that, that has the best interest of education in mind. And it would include suppliers as well as, um, you know, educators, you know, suppliers, I mean, like people who make stuff for teachers, right. Or, you know, whether the tools and all that kind of stuff where they would get together and discuss these things in an open forum. But I don't know, man, it's just don't, it's so far from our reality right now. There is a, a sort of, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of newish it's sort of teachers council that's been developed, but I just think that the difference is if you turn on the radio, this is in the UK, but I, I suspect it would be similar in, in, in other countries, is that the voice of the professional body, I don't hear it. And I'd be listening out for it. So when education policy is being talked about, you hear the voice of the unions, like you've said, Andy, but in terms of a, a, a non-political professional body, I, I, I don't, you know, if I asked 100 teachers what is that and, and when did you last hear them and, and what decisions are being made and, and how does it protect education, it, it would be very interesting, the answers. But, but I would suspect that people wouldn't be as informed as you'd hope they would be with a professional body. And I think that's the, that's the missing part is that some policies... And I might be doing a disservice to them, but, but it just feels like some policies with politicians. Where's the challenge? Thank you for joining us on the School of School podcast. Mm -hmm.